Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Today, Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read 10 verses, and you can hang with me on the screen if you like. Um, if you have a Bible, do that. That's always good. If you don't have one, we do have the two Sky Bibles on my left and my right. I busted out the old school. This thing is the NIV 1984. Now, I didn't get in 84 because I wasn't born yet, but... So I'm going to read from this. This one has seen a lot of different years and days. So Acts chapter 3, follow with me on the screen, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried in the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and so, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. You know, today, if you're taking notes, if you like taking notes, maybe you should take notes, helps you remember things better. I just simply title this, I'm expecting something. I'm expecting something. The year was 1998, Super Bowl Sunday, Denver Broncos, Green Bay Packers. Now, there's one person clapping in this room because if you are a Green Bay fan, well, if you're a Bear fan, you never saw Super Bowls many times. So as a Packer fan, as a Packer fan, you know you lost and the Broncos won. Not the point of this message. <laughs> now, as a 12-year-old kid, I didn't really care about who was in the Super Bowl. I cared about what was happening at the halftime and not because Boyce to Men was one of the performers, even though it's Boyce to Men. Come on. I was looking forward to what was taking place during the halftime was there going to be a live broadcast of a check given out through the publisher's clearinghouse. Now, you might ask yourself, one, what is the publisher's clearinghouse? But uh, I feel like we all kind of know. And if you don't know, they like to spam a lot of uh, mail to your house and they tell you that you're so close to winning and you just have to fill out this thing and that thing. But this year, I'm telling you, as a 12-year-old kid, I was convinced that I was going to win. Why? Because that entire year leading up to that halftime show, that halftime moment within Super Bowl 32, was I was filling all those things out and mailing them out. Every time a new one came, I told my parents, I said, hey, it says we're we're really close. If we just fill this one out and we mail it in, that $31 million is ours. 
and then another one would come, and then another one would come, and they continue to come all the way leading up to this first time they were going to do a live broadcast of someone winning a $31 million check during the Super Bowl. So again, I was expecting something. I was truly expecting I was going to win because I did all the work. So what did I do during that Super Bowl? I washed my hair. I put my favorite t-shirt on as a 12-year-old kid. And I truly, I kid you not, I sat in my living room locked to the moment that this check was going to be presented. Because what would happen, they would, they would pull up to someone's house, you can show that picture, and they would have a, a cameraman, and that guy would have the check and the balloons, there's this massive check, and you know, if you're a little younger in the room, maybe you don't know what this is, this, this is a real thing, and it was, it was a big deal. And the person would eventually go to the door, knock on the door, and they'd say the person's name, and then they'd present them this, with this massive check. And it would be broadcasted. Now, for the Super Bowl, this was what they were going to do. And I kid you not, I was like watching my TV. I had my porch lights on. I knew exactly what door they are going to come in. And I was going to be the one that received this check. So it, it cuts to this moment of them pulling up to someone's house. And I realize that's not my house. And they get out and they got the balloons and it's dark out because, you know, it's nighttime and they're all like talking to the camera and then they walk up to the front door and they knock on the door and I realize that's not my door. And someone else wins the $31 million. Now, again, 12 years old, so cut me a little bit of slack here. But truly, I kid you not, I really, really thought I'm going to win this year's Publishers Clearinghouse and I'm going to be on live TV during the Super Bowl where the Green Bay Packers lost to the Denver Broncos. I what? I expected, I expected something. Now, obviously, we, we see here in Acts chapter uh, 3 a, a man who's expecting something a little bit more than what I needed as a 12-year-old kid. He's, he looks up as he calls out to Peter and John as they're walking into the temple gate, and he catches their attention, and the text tells us that he expected something. Now, he's asking for money. We know this within the text. We know that he is begging for alms. He's begging for money, and Peter and John are like, that's not what we have. We also know later on in the text, we find out in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that this man is over 40 years old. Been set at the gate called beautiful every single day of his entire life. So for 40 years, he's been begging and waiting and expecting. You could almost say he's been what? Hoping for something to happen. Now I want to pause from this story. I'm going to look at this word expect or look at this word hope and want us to teach us a few things today as we dive into this text. Now, this word hope in the Hebrew, the word would have been yakal. Yakal simply means to wait for. You'd expect, you would hope. This is the original text, and this is what we're looking at today, this idea of you're hoping to get something. Another word for hope in the scriptures is kavah. Same thing, 
to wait for, this idea of waiting with excitement or giddiness or you're kind of unsure. This is what this word in the ancient text would actually mean. It, it's kind of like if you if you have kids, you know, on Christmas morning, like there's this expectation, you're, you're, you're unsure, you're excited, you're, all these different feelings that you're having, this is what hope would be. You're expecting something, you're hoping for something great, you're giddy, you're excited about it. It'd be like you're, you're waiting for your wedding day, like Charmant's getting married in a couple of weeks, he, he, I can, he's giddy, he's getting, yeah, he's like, you can see it, it's, I'm expecting something. Carrington and Ebony put this on the social media just a little bit ago, they are what? Expecting a baby. So, yeah, there, there's this, that's what this original word in the Hebrew language, hope, you call, kavah, you're waiting with like, ah, something, something's gonna happen. I'm, I'm excited about this thing. Now, kavah, what's interesting about the word kavah, it actually comes from the word kav, meaning rope. Kav just means rope. Samir, come up here. Yeah, I'm calling you up, buddy. Kav, rope. If I take this rope, though, and I, you got, you strong, right? You pull it. If I'm pulling it, what's happening? There's tension, right? This is kava. Tension. Almost to the point of it's going to snap. Right? Kav is the rope. But when I tighten this thing up, this tension is so strong, it's to the point of snapping. Thanks, bud. To the point of breaking. So this idea of hope in the ancient language, in the Hebrew text, would have been like, ah, there is some tension going on. This is what you and I feel, right? When we hope, when there's like tension in our life, this is what they would have felt. This is what this man at the temple gates would have felt. Expecting something, looking up as he's been begging for every single day of his entire life, he's looking up expecting something to happen, some change to happen. And there's tension within this moment. There's kava happening. Proverbs thirteen twelve says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's the good news. The news that a lot of us kind of have to walk through is that hope is deferred. Hope is delayed. There's moments that we begin to look up expecting something to happen and nothing's happening. That's the kava in our life. That's the tension that takes place. You feel me? So what do we do with this hope? What is it for you? What are the moments that you're expecting? There's something that I need to take place. There's tension in my life. I'm expecting something to change. I'm expecting something to take place. I don't know if it's, I'm expecting for a new job. I'm expecting for my business to take off. I'm expecting for this, this relationship that has been so tense for so long, for something to actually break in a good way. It begins to get healed a family member they haven't spoken to for years and years, and you're just feeling you're, there's this tension, there's this kava, there's this expectation. I, I just want it to change. You're, you're expecting something. 
You're expecting that the report that you get back from the doctor is negative and it's going to be fine. Or maybe you got the negative report and now you don't know what you're going to do. Right? We sit with this kava, this tension a lot. This is the human experience, isn't it? And this is what we see from this man. We see from this man in Acts chapter 3, he's expecting something. When is it going to change? This is what hope is in the biblical sense. See, hope in the Bible, biblical hope is not blind hope. Biblical hope is actually not optimism. It isn't looking forward, being like, you know what? Things are going to all clear up. We're good. Biblical hope is calculated. Biblical hope would have been something that you actually look backward so you can look forward. You begin to look back at where God has been faithful so that it gives you the confidence to look forward and move on. This is biblical hope. There's almost like a resolve that would take place. In fact, the, the ancient prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea, they would, they would prophesy stuff in the middle of their exile or in the middle of the stuff that they're going through. They would actually prophesy and say certain things that had to do with hope being in the future that they even knew they would actually never even experience. That is hope. This resolve. In fact, Hosea even says this. He says, God, turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope. These are things that the ancient prophets would begin to say and prophesy and speak out. Turn my current situation, turn it around, even if I never see it. That's biblical hope. So even when you feel that kavah, that tension that's going on, you still hope on. You would look backward to look forward. In fact, there's a famous story that we know about. This man, David and Goliath. It's a very famous biblical story, right? David is a young kid and he's called by his dad to go down to the, uh, the lines of where the Philistines and the Israelites are fighting in the Valley of Allah. And Goliath has been there chanting and ridiculing the Israelites, this giant of a man. And the Israelites are scared out of their mind. So David, a young kid, just goes down there, brings some food for his brothers and those who are fighting and eventually notices what's taking place. See, Goliath has been taunting the Israelites now for 40 days straight. And 40 is incredibly important to look at within the biblical text is because 40 essentially means that they've, they've been facing a trial or a testing or almost a, a type of probation now for 40 days. This is what the Israelites are going through from Goliath taunting them. And David sees this and he's like, no, <laughs> no. Now, at the end of the story, we know he chucks a stone at his head and knocks him down and then cuts his head off. There's, there's a beautiful ending. We know that. And that's the funny thing about the scriptures is that we kind of like read it and we get to keep reading it and then we get to see the happy ending, the tree of life. But hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. So when you're not able to see the ending, what do you do with the tension? What do you do in the kava, in the waiting? 
When you look backward to look forward, in fact, this is exactly what David does. Look at this in 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37. Saul, who's the king, who's in charge of the entire Israelite army, and David are having a conversation, and David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Let no one be in sickness right now because of this giant named Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are what? But a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. David says to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. So what's David doing? He's going to start looking back. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and the uncircumcised Philistines shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. Almost like, uh, good luck. David is looking back so he can look forward. This is the biblical word for hope. Yakal, kava. In the moment of not knowing what's going to happen, I'm expecting something to take place. But for me, I have to look back so then I can look forward. Later on in David's life, he pins this psalm in Psalm 39, 7. He says, and now, O Lord, in this, in this distress that David is going through in this time of his life, he says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. In other words, and now, O Lord, what do I you call? What do I hope in? And it's almost like he talks himself out of it so quickly and says, oh, it's in you. That's where it's at. It's in you. My kava, when I'm feeling tension, it's in you. My hope is in you. Now it brings us back to this man at the temple gates. He's been begging there, like I said, for how long? 40 years. Forty years he's been begging. And what is he doing? He's expecting something. I'm expecting something. I just wonder how many of us are like that even this moment. Man, I'm just expecting something. Right? Yeah. This man, 40 years. Now, the significance of this man waiting in expectation, in hope for 40 years is that this is actually the very first recorded miracle done by the apostles after Jesus' ascension. Now hang with me. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's empowered now the early church, his disciples to go and preach the good news, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is what the great commission was. 
and Peter and John are walking into the temple gate called Beautiful and there's a man who has been crippled and begging in hope for 40 years. Goliath was in the valley of Yahal for or Allah for how long? 40 days. Moses was exiled to the desert for 40 years. The Israelites had to walk through the desert to get to the promised land for 40 years. Jesus was sent out to the desert by the Spirit for 40 days. The significance of this idea of 40 is there's a testing, there's a trial, there's there's probation taking place within the people of God. And here comes Peter and John walking through the gate called beautiful. And there's a man that's been begging for 40 years of his entire life. And in that moment, healing takes place. He's expecting something for hope to actually break through in his life. And this being the very first recorded miracle is not by chance. Because the New Testament writers, the early Christians, the early church, the first followers of Jesus, they had a different word for hope. This word in Greek was alpis. And alpis meant living hope. So the early Christians, the first followers of Jesus here that we see in scripture, they would still look back, but they would look back to an empty tomb that Jesus was raised out of. That's where their hope lied. They still practice the looking back to move forward, but their looking back was at a person because now hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And for this man to be the first miracle, recorded miracle that the disciples perform as, as if to say, all that you've been waiting on, all that you've been hoping for is now found in one man. His name is Jesus. It's a living hope. El peace. So it wasn't turning into optimism. It wasn't just looking forward and fingers crossed moment. It was still looking back they were looking back at an empty tomb knowing that that's where their hope came from. Amen? So what are we to do? What are we to do with this idea of hope when we're expecting something? Here's my challenge for all of us. When, when there is deferred hope, when there is tension in our life, when it feels like there's nothing else to grab a hold of, feel like we're walking blindly into what's ahead of us? What would it look like if we became people like the early church, people that follow Jesus? At the early stages of the birth of the church, that we would begin to be people that actually look back at God's faithfulness and his character, where he's shown up in our life so that we can move forward. So our homework assignment for this week and hopefully for the rest of our lives is this, is that we would be people that practice looking back so that we can look forward. And even for you, and if you need to name it, 
the thing that you're expecting, just like this beggar on the side of the road right before the gate called Beautiful, before they walked in and entered in, as they are, as he's waiting and he's expecting something to happen. Many of us are in this exact situation today, maybe not in ancient Jerusalem, but we know there is something that I've been reaching out for, expecting some breakthrough, expecting something to happen. What am I to do, friend? Let's look back so that we can look forward. And a simple practice might be for you is that you have to actually sit in a quiet space and begin to remember those things where God has been faithful and write those things down and begin to name those things so that when you come up to the next trial or the next testing of your life, you can say, oh, I have data. God's already shown up faithful in here in this moment and in this moment. And now you can look back so then you can continue to move forward. Amen? too often what happens in our lives is that we, we come to face one of these ex- expectation, expecting hope moments, these kava, these tension moments that we're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then we tell people like, I don't know what's going on. All hope is lost. But if we take a word and some encouragement from these early followers of Jesus, you would know that just because you don't see the end of the story doesn't mean that you can't look back to find hope found in an empty tomb, the living hope of Jesus in your life. Amen? That's what we hold on to. That's what we hold on to. Is it a challenge? Oh, it's a huge challenge. Is it difficult? Incredibly difficult. But that's where our hope lies. So this week, like I said, my challenge is this. Take some time. Write these things down. That's your practical next step. Take some time. Write these things down. Where has God showed himself faithful? Just like David on the battlefield against Goliath, he had to look back, remembering where God has shown up, remembering God's character, remembering where God has been faithful in your life so that you can look forward and move on. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. And I'm going to bring Eric and Shaman up here in just a minute. God, this is one of those like, ah, there's some tension within this. I, I don't even really know fully what to do because I know what I'm facing. I'm facing these obstacles, these situations where I'm not sure what is going to happen. And yet, El Peace, living hope, person of Jesus, an empty tomb. Thank you that God, all of us can rest in this type of hope today. God, may we step into this practice of looking back so that we can look forward, so that we can move forward in confidence, knowing that God, you have us in the palm of your hand. We put our trust in you and God, we put our hope in you. All of it, our yakal, our kavah, and our elpis. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless.